this anymore. Uh, hey guys, good morning. It's good to be here. Good to see some familiar faces. It's been six months since we've left. And, uh, I don't know if it's just me, but y'all sound a lot more country now. <laughs> and for those that you, yeah, it's just me. I was, for y'all that don't consider me country here, I'm now considered the cowboy around my workplace, so I don't know how I got that, but uh, I just want to start off by thanking you. There's a lot of, we're still getting continued prayers weekly. We got people texting us every week asking how they can pray for us every single week. They're still giving us finances and sending money to help us, which is incredible. And uh, alongside that helps the expensive area that we're living in. Um, it's very expensive. Uh, I do have a full-time job that I'm working, which is, it was a blessing. I actually got hired for two jobs. I, we moved. I had no idea what I was going to do for work. I was, gonna, I was willing to wait tables or go back to bagging groceries, and uh, I got accepted for two jobs that I interviewed for that was better than any other opportunity I've ever had. So that was just, praise the Lord for that. But I, wanted, I got a couple minutes, so I just want to go through a few things, how God's been able to use our lives and uh, how grow us and strengthen us and uh, how he's using everybody that we're involved with in Harbor City Church um, to reach that area of Winthrop. And sorry, I'm a little nervous. I want to also think, don't take for granted this building. Like, we're meeting in a basketball gym that's, that's right next door to an ice hockey rink, and right now they're very busy. And the main entrance to our church at Harbor City is where the, back, where the men's locker room is. So it, when you walk into our church, it smells lovely. And it's in a, we get half a basketball gym, so imagine like a, it's not even as nice as the family life center we have here. That's the, there's no AC in the summer, so it's scorching hot. And in the winter, the heat just went out, and it's been 15 degrees. <laughs> so everybody's just bundled up, but it's, it's a humble reminder that the church is not a building. It's the people that's gathering together, praising. We're still singing songs of praise. We're coming together. We're learning the Bible, and we're learning how to engage and equip the people in Winthrop to go out and share the gospel through this lost town. And so um, some of the quick things, Harbor City, uh, it's, they just started in January as an official church in the town. They weren't... Straight out of the gate, they weren't accepted. They had to bet when teams like from Emmanuel would come up, they had to go around begging to even pick up trash at the beach just to kind of get involved in the community. They didn't want them there. And now they just got, this past month, they, we were awarded a, a chamber member of the year for all the voluntary work that they've done throughout the community. So that's huge. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a lot, but we, this town we're in, it's like, it reminds me of Warren. It's a small town, 20,000 people, but it's a huge community. Like, their community base and the people, they just love getting together for everything. And so every single event that they host in Winthrop, we're there. We set up a table. We're passing out free cotton candy, free popcorn, whatever, hot chocolate in the cold. We're there. And so we've done things like we set up a table at the Winthrop Car Show, Family Fun Day at the beach. I love Winthrop Days. We hosted a soccer night. It was a one-week free soccer camp for kids. I was a coach. I don't know anything about soccer, but <laughs> we learned for the gospel. <laughs> and so we, each night that week, we had 100-plus kids from all ages for five, for five consecutive nights, which is incredible. Uh, we did Halloween at Town Center. We did Bike Winthrop. We did a, they do a Christmas tree lighting ceremony. 
this is like a Hallmark town we're living in. <laughs> and it's not a Christmas tree, it's a bear, it's a bear tree, it's, it's nothing spectacular, but the whole community comes into the town center, and it's, I mean, it's incredible. And so we're there, we, we just engage with them. It's a way for us to get into the community, show our face, show who we are, and invite people to church, because this is an unreached area. They're, they're reached, but they're primarily, they're born and raised. There's a Catholic church, and so everybody that we encounter with, they, they were raised Catholic, so they don't, they're very ritualistic, and so they don't really have anybody I've talked to at work. They're like, yeah, we, we know Jesus, we believe in him, but they don't, know what the, they don't know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. And so um, through some of these events, we've seen the church grow from 30, 40 people when we got there in July, and now that we're averaging probably 60 to 70 people. And the children's classes are full, the nursery's full on each week, and so that some of the things that we get to help primarily with the church, we come in, we're in a rotation for the nursery, uh, we're in a rotation for the children's church, we come in, also we're in the gym, so Saturday night, we come in, y'all probably know this already, but we come in, we have to set up half the court for the church, set up all the chairs, feel like we're getting ready for the youth, like our youth rally or the, the wild game festival, we set that up every Saturday night, we have church and we get out of there because they usually have a birthday party or some type of event right after, so we have to pack up and get out. So that's very, doing that every single week for the entire year, it's, it, gets, it gets old. So one of the biggest prayer requests is a building that we can come and meet. And a lot of, when I go meet people at work, they're like, where's your church again? I'd like to come. We're in the old basketball gym. Oh, no one, they don't associate that with a church. They're like, oh, we played, we played, high, we played basketball there in middle school. Why are y'all? Why are y'all worshiping? How are you a church? Like, so it's a very it's a challenge. Um, we're also we just recently par- partnered with a min- uh, not a ministry, but there's this family. They started a food recovery. It's called Miamore, and so one thing Lauren and I do, and my Jason and Micah Talent, we're every Monday we're in a rotation. We go to the local market. We pick up all the food that they've collected that they're about to throw in the trash. We go through it, count it. Whatever's all good, it's still good to eat. We take it to families with lower income. So right now we have 15 families that we, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we're taking food that's going to get tossed in the dumpster from the local grocery store. We're delivering that food to them. And that's, for them, that's huge. That's what their whole drive is, is just to help out the poor in the community. But for us, it's like this is a, and a, this is a wide open door for us to impact them more than just food and physical needs. It's like we're going there with a mission to, implant the gospel into their households and so uh, throughout the year they've recovered over twenty thousand dollars worth of food that was going to get th- thrown in the trash and so that's huge um and just just to final uh finish this up just a, some of the trials and prayer requests like i said the permanent building um we really need a worship leader so we've seen there was a family there that came right like a month before we did to leave they came they packed up and moved from tennessee to lead worship and after two months they just they packed up and left they were like they were so unhappy there and so we lost them and so but through that we've seen people that were coming to the church step up for the first time and lead and that family's packed they just got pregnant and moved back to Missouri so like now it's literally we have a we have a youth worship band right now leading our church which is incredible because two of the two of the youth their youth that weren't coming to church before we started our we started a youth from scratch so every Sunday night we have 
seven kids that come, and they're like the core of our youth group, and it's incredible. They're loving it, and so we don't have anyone else to lead worship. Two kids, two kids. Yeah, I can sing. I was, I've been singing my whole life. Oh, yeah, I can hold a beat. So they're playing the cajon. So we have a children's worship, but not a children, but like a youth worship band leading the church, which is, which is incredible. So, But what's, what it's missing is a true leader. Like they don't have a leadership to just kind of, so you don't hear, they're not just singing out. They're just kind of, it's just, you know, we need a leader. And so, uh, and also just pray for us as we just pray for a stronger gospel presence in, the, in, in my workplace in the community. So just this morning, talking with Lynn on evangelism and discipleship and like making disciples. Uh, one of the things that we're considered missionaries because we left here from this church to go to a foreign place to us, but we're not doing anything different than we could have done right here. I went, I got a full-time job, and I'm just serving the church that I'm a part of wholeheartedly with everything that I have. And, and to see Lauren step up, and <laughs> it's incredible. Just to lead Bible study each, we have a Bible study in our house every Tuesday night. I could have done this here. And so, pray for a, just to strengthen us daily, because one of the biggest things I take away, like when I go to work, I work 40 hours a week, if not overtime, plowing the streets with snow, which is, that's a whole other story. That's that's crazy. (laughs) But when I come home, the only difference is that I have a mindset when I'm re- on my commute home, if I reflect over my day and I realize I didn't have one gospel-centered conversation with a coworker, it hurts me. <laughs> it breaks me because I'm like, this is what I'm here for. That's what I'm here to do. And I'm just, I went a full day and just did nothing but try to please the man by worldly work that's here today and gone tomorrow. <laughs> and so... That's the, one of the biggest differences. It's just having the mindset that we're living on mission wherever we're at. And so just pray that you strengthen us because we're there. We have a great friends, great family there, but we're away from family. We're away from everything we've ever known. So just pray for strength. But we also feel like we're living in God's will. We're, we're happier. Like People ask us all the time, do you miss home? I'm like, I miss the people. But I, I not once have crossed our mind, like, this is too hard. We're coming home. It's like, God, we're here, we're ready, and we're doing this right now, and we're excited to see where he's going to take us next. <laughs> and so just thank you, for, con- and just please continue to pray for us and remember us while we're there working daily. And I pray, we're praying for you guys to still be a stronghold here in Warren and just raise people up and, ra- and dust and raise up the youth because there's missionaries that are in children's church right now that are in the making. So thank you. census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went also, went up from the town of Beth- the Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to, t- to town, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. 
she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there, when, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had, what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, I want to thank you so much for this time that we get to come here to worship you freely. And I thank you so much for this amazing story that we read about thousands of years later. Um, as we read it, we might not... We might miss over the importance and the power that is in the story. All the prophecies that pointed to this moment in time. Jesus, when you were born, we can't put that into words. God, I ask that you be with us as we celebrate this season. The importance of you coming to earth in humanly flesh. And God, I pray for us as that we just go out and be like the shepherds in the story, that we, we go freely and want to scream and shout of all that we've seen and heard to point glory back to you, God. That's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. can blow out your candles if you still have those lit. appreciate you guys and appreciate Shelton, uh, TJ, and Brandy and Kenley giving us a little bit of a kind of a stripped down worship. I love that and I love this time of year and uh, what all this celebrates and what this means. Uh, I feel like in this moment we've got a few minutes. I got about 30 minutes with you and I feel like I need to give a couple of public service announcements in this moment. Uh, number one, if uh, if you are in this position, just know that no one man can put together a basketball goal and a trampoline uh, within eight hours, so get some help, save your marriage, and start now, okay? Uh, it's just a good idea. I've been there, done that. Um, if, uh, if you are a parent, you need to hear this, buy batteries, 
Uh, you're going to need to buy them now because there's nothing worse than the 1130 cold sweat that hits you when you know the DG is closed and you forgot to get batteries for the thing, the main thing. And so make sure you get your batteries, parents. Um, make sure that you have uh, plenty of help getting all that. Listen, if you are, number three is really important because it hits home with me. Uh, if you are not the tech person in your family, technology repels itself from you. Remember that the tech person in your family did get Christmas gifts of their own, and they don't want to spend all day setting up your new devices and your new laptops and your new iPads because you can't remember your password you entered in three minutes ago, okay? Just help out with that. I'll never forget the vacation that Jess and I went on uh, every evening for three hours. I uh, helped my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and my sister and my brother-in-law do their pictures on their computers and switching. It was just a nightmare. So remember that. And then number four. I have written down, this is probably the most important. Remember, parents, you need the following things for a successful Christmas. Coffee and your family. And scissors and the world's tiniest Phillips head screwdriver, wire cutters, another cup of coffee, a pair of pliers, a hacksaw, the world's tiniest flathead screwdriver, the other pair of pliers, and a blowtorch just to get through the packaging of all the toys that you have purchased. I don't know what's going on with that. I think there's like little packaging ninjas that put that stuff in the packages. Now, when I was a kid, you untied like a little twist tie. Now they've got screws and bolts, and it's just ridiculous. So you need all that stuff for a successful Christmas morning. This is the week that we have been building up to. This is our unwrapping Christmas series, and uh, I've got one more of these at the end. We'll talk about after Christmas next week, but I've, we've been talking about how to wrap and how to unwrap Christmas since, uh, uh, I believe, the middle of November. Uh, those of you who've been with us know that we've been looking at the necessity of Christmas, right? We look back at Malachi and his oracle of, uh, of, of what was going on in Israel and why we needed the Messiah to come. We've looked at uh, the reason why John had to come before Jesus. And we looked last a couple of weeks ago about uh, why Jesus had to be born in the first place, what the importance of the word becoming flesh actually was and why that uh, means so much to us uh, today. And so what we're going to do uh, this morning is kind of the opposite of everything that we've led up to. We've been talking about unwrapping Christmas, and this morning we're going we're gonna to talk about wrapping Christmas, which is kind of an odd thought, but if you'll stay with me, you'll understand. I'm gonna, uh, I've got some, some uh, scripture on the screen, and it's the same scripture that uh, Shelton just read for us, but we need to read a couple of parts of it to understand exactly what it is, because there's a phrase that shows up in scripture a couple of different times, and especially in this Christmas narrative, that I believe sheds a lot of light on uh, our situation and why it's so important uh, that, that Christmas is wrapped. And so if you've got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to start in verse 4. It should be on the screen. If you don't have it, it says this. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who is with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. See, all this time we've been unwrapping Christmas, and right here in Scripture, the infant Jesus is wrapped in swaddling 
cloths. Now, this is not unusual, right? We do this even now. We swaddle babies. Uh, Brody, I would, I would put him in like a burrito, right? It was, so, it was so tight, and he loved it. It was just his arms were down. Jax hated to be swaddled. He, if I tried to tuck him in, he'd just start screaming, and so we just let him kind of just lay all laid out. Uh, but we still swaddle babies now. But here's what they say about this idea of swaddling baby Jesus. In this time, a lot of scholars say that, that the, these linen cloths were, were dyed specific colors. So they were kind of family colors. It was kind of an important uh, garment that would go on the baby and wrap them up. Some, if, you were, if you were wealthy enough, then some of these uh, swaddling cloths were embroid- highly embroidered with kind of the genealogy and the family lineage, uh, and it would be passed down from generation to generation. But most people agree that these swaddling cloths that were used on Jesus were just plain linen strips because Mary and Joseph weren't rich. They were just normal people. They were just average, everyday folks. They didn't have a whole lot. And now I know some of you are thinking, really, on Christmas Sunday morning, we're going we're gonna to really talk about swaddling cloths. But if you, if you just hang with me for the next few minutes, you're going to see the importance of this. And you're, gonna, you're never going to read over that passage of Scripture in the same way again. This morning, we're going to unwrap the things that wrapped Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Let's keep going. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. From here, the, the angels sing, right? Glory to God in the highest. And then the shepherds say, let's go find this baby. This is pretty incredible. I love how uh, my passage of Scripture says that they were afraid. Shelton says they were terrified. I think that's probably a better word to use for that. They were scared to death. And then, verse 16, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, if you read this, and if you're anything like me, you like to kind of t- try to take apart and try to figure out how. The question that I've had for years and years is, how did they find him? How did they? How did the shepherds even know where to go to find this baby Jesus? Now, at this time, what's good to know is that Bethlehem, the city of Bethlehem, was not a very large town. Uh, anywhere between four and eight hundred people living there. Uh, probably not a big influx of babies being born all the time. Uh, it's kind of a small. Think about us being a small town. This is a really, really, really small town. But how did the shepherds know where they could find him within the town? Watch this. Most people believe that these shepherds that the angels appeared to were not ordinary shepherds. Yeah, they were ordinary guys. They were doing a very ordinary job. Being a shepherd is boring. It's, it's really kind of the low end of the employment scale. Uh, you have one job, and that is to not lose sheep. 
Uh, and that's not a very hard job to do. Most of the time, it's pretty young guys that are out there doing it. They have to stay out all night long. They have to watch them as they graze. They have to kind of keep watch over them as they do different things. And they have to make sure that nobody runs off and that nobody gets eaten. That's, that's pretty much their job. Now, what's incredible is that they believe that these men are Levitical shepherds. And here's what that means. In in Bethlehem, there was some land that was set aside and was named for a very specific purpose. If you go back to Genesis chapter 38, uh, Rachel was buried at the Tower of Adair, or the Big Doll Adair. That's your, that's your Hebrew word for the day, okay? And, and in this area, uh, it's, uh, Joseph is actually the one who names it, the, the Tower of Adair. It's the Big Doll Adair. Uh, and then this same area is mentioned again in the book of Micah. In Micah chapter 4, it speaks of the watchtower of the flock, which is the Migdal, Adair. It's the same word. In Micah chapter 5, uh, he speaks of, this is where Micah gives his prophetic, uh, the, the, the Savior of Israel will be born in Bethlehem. And then in verse, I believe it's verse uh, 4, he says, uh, he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. And he's referencing back again. The Migdal Adair. Now, we have to remember that Bethlehem is where the Migdal Adair is. Bethlehem is about five and a half miles south of Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, there's the temple. And there's one thing that the temple is in constant need of. And that is sacrificial lambs. And so what most scholars believe now is that these Levitical shepherds are raising lambs to be used in the temple sacrifice. This is their job. They, they raise and they birth new lambs and new sheep and they have all this pasture land to specifically supply the temple with sacrificial lambs. Now here's what's crazy. If we tie all this back in, remember from week one, when we were talking about Malachi and his oracle and his burden about how the people in Israel in the Old Testament were offering unacceptable sacrifice, right? Y'all remember that? They were offering lame and diseased and, and blind animals for sacrifice, knowing that Leviticus chapter 22 says that they have to be perfect and without blemish or, quote, it will not be accepted. And so Malachi comes in and he says, you can't do this anymore. This is not okay. This is not right. And so through the years of the intertestamental period, they established some Levitical shepherds who are raising these sheep to be slaughtered, these lambs to be presented at the temple, and they raise them at the Migdal Adair. Now, here's what's great. When the ewe lambs, when the ewe sheep, that's the female sheep, I did some, I double checked that because I'm not a farmer. When the ewe sheep are getting ready to birth the lamb, the shepherds would bring them in to this kind of like this cleft in the rock, this kind of shallow, real shallow cave. And they would bring in the, the new moms and they would help deliver the lambs. And immediately they would wrap the lambs in swaddling cloth to keep them perfect, without blemish, and holy for the temple 
sacrifice. Now, this should be setting off all kinds of alarm bells in your mind because where else would those shepherds who show up and they, the angels say, the, the Savior, this Messiah is born and he is going to be found wrapped in swaddling cloths. The only place they knew to go look for a swaddling cloth, anything, was at the Migdalator. So they went to the place where Jesus was born, just right outside of Bethlehem. And this incredible place that has been used for years and years and years. Now, what we connect the dots on is on John 29, where John the Baptist sees Jesus. What does he say? He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not even open his mouth. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter that we're not redeemed by silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like a lamb without blemish or spot. And in Revelation chapter 5, verse 12, all heaven cries out and says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Listen, church, this baby that was wrapped in swaddling cloth is the eternal sacrifice. He is the Son of God. He's the one that the angels heralded. He is the one that the shepherds sought and found. And just like those shepherds would swaddle the newborn lamb so it could remain an acceptable sacrifice, Mary and Joseph swaddled the Lamb of God because he was our eternal sacrifice. He was wrapped in swaddling cloth. This is not the only time Jesus was wrapped. If you have your Bibles, flip over to John chapter 19. This is incredible. In this moment in John, Jesus has stood trial. He has been flogged. He has been crucified. He's been nailed to the cross. And he has died. The soldiers make sure of that. They know that he's dead. They pierce his side. They come to break his legs. He's already dead. And they pierce his side. Knowing that Jesus is dead. We pick up the story in verse 38. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews asked Pilate that he might take the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who had earlier come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body, catch this, they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Just as in birth... Jesus in death is wrapped in linen cloth. But church, those cloths didn't stay there either. Keep reading. John chapter 20, verse 7. They says that on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb. Uh, she's coming to kind of, again, anoint the body with some more um, spices and oil. Uh, and she finds that the, the stone has been rolled away. And so she runs and gets Peter and John, the only two guys that she knew. And she knew right where they were. She went to Peter and John and said, you've got to come see. They've taken the body of Jesus. And in verse 5, it says that... Uh, they run to the tomb and stooping in to look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. That's John. And then 
Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Church, I believe too many of us want to leave that infant baby Jesus in the manger in his swaddling cloth. And we, we miss everything that Jesus did. How he came and how he loved and how he served and how he gave his life for you and me. And how he taught and how he modeled what real love and real sacrifice really is. And how he died for us. And we want to leave him in the manger and swallowing cloth. Or we want to leave him in the grave in his burial cloth. We say, oh yeah, he came, or oh yeah, he died. But we don't ever really take the message of his life, the entirety of his life, and apply it into what we know that he did for us. But see, that's not the last time he was wrapped in cloth. If you've got your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 1. This is what's so incredible. From birth to death, and now in glory, he's wrapped. Revelation chapter 1, John's beginning to tell his revelation. He's beginning to tell the story and his vision of heaven. And it says that he hears this voice behind him telling him to write down everything that he's about to see. That's why we have the book of Revelation. And in chapter 1, verse 12, John writes, When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. There with the lampstands was someone who seemed to be the Son of Man. That's Jesus. He was wearing a robe that reached down to his feet, and a gold cloth was wrapped around his chest. Church, this gold cloth is a lot like what the high priest would wear, except the high priest would wear it kind of signifying his rank. It was, it was a cloth, but it was ornamented with gold. But this one of pure gold represents a king. See, in different places in Revelation, Jesus is wearing a crown. He's going out to conquest. But here, with a simple golden cloth wrapped around him, one commentator said this, Here, The representation seems to have been designed to impress the mind with a sense of greatness and glory of the person who just suddenly made his appearance. If you don't get anything from today, from swaddling cloths to burial cloths to this golden cloth, remember this, from birth, he's been wrapped in greatness and in glory. He, whether, that's, whether that's swaddling or burial or golden, it's all greatness and glory. So the question that I have for us today, and I'm done. I'm real fast today. The question is, are you leaving him wrapped in a manger? Or are you leaving him wrapped in a tomb? Or are you worship him wrapped in gold? This story of how Jesus was wrapped points to one incredible truth. This baby that came is a king who reigns. Church, we can celebrate and we can do all that we're going to do for Christmas. 
We can, we can have all the presents and we can eat all the food and we can be around the family, even the family that we don't really like. We can do all of that. But if we miss the king who's wrapped in gold, then we've really never unwrapped Christmas fully. I'm going to ask for you to stand. TJ's going to come and he's going to sing and Dustin and I will be down front. And here's, here's our simple invitation this morning. What are you doing with Jesus who has been wrapped? Are you leaving him in the manger? Are you leaving him in the tomb? Are you worshiping him as king? That requires sacrifice. That requires humble heart. That requires you coming underneath his authority. Listen, if you've never done that, and, and maybe today's the first day you've been in church in a long time, or maybe, uh, maybe today and the seasons of, of this year really kind of hitting you on a different level, and you need, to, you need to try to work some things out spiritually, then don't miss this opportunity to do that. If, if maybe even today is the first time in a long time you've really even thought about your salvation, maybe it's something you've done years ago and you've never really done anything with lately, Today's the day to really begin to live every day for that king. Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe you just need to come and pray. Maybe you just need to talk to somebody about faith and what it means to have or to attain or to understand and believe. Listen, this baby that was born is not something we celebrate just once a year. It should be something that we celebrate every day. He came and he changed the whole world. He did it because he loves me and he loves you. This is your opportunity. Don't miss your chance today. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for a simple message of this baby and this man and this glorified Savior who was wrapped in cloth for us. God, from humble beginnings to a grave, and to your position at the right hand of God. Father, let us never just skip over this thought of being wrapped. Father, today we are asking that you help us keep this season and these next few days what it's really about. Father, if there's somebody here this morning that needs to ask questions about who God is or if they need to begin to kind of repent and ask forgiveness for not really living the faith that they know that they securely have, God, today is the day. Today's the day to do it right. Father, don't let us miss this opportunity. Speak. Hey, this is Matt Overall. I'm the pastor here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Just want to say thanks so much for watching our services, whether through our television ministry or our online ministry. We appreciate you so much being a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and we'd love to have you come and join our worship service. Uh, Sunday morning service starts at 10.30. Our small groups start at 9.30. And we'd love to have you be a part of it. We've got a lot of different ministries that happen at Emmanuel, from our children and youth that's focused on Wednesday nights to our uh, women's Bible studies that happen throughout the week. We'd love to have you be a part of everything that's going on here at Emmanuel. Thanks for watching.